0: The Open Nesters is a weekly podcast focusing on couples and individuals who are looking for new beginnings after their kids have left the nest.
1: This week on The Open Nesters podcast with Esther Jones Alley.
2: And to live from moment to moment, because when you stand in that moment, your path begins to illuminate before you. And so you live moment to moment, not turning to the left or the right, not up or down. No judgment. You step out of the world of duality and you stand in your full power. And you don't have to do anything because Spirit is guiding you. When you ask me about that voice, that's when you really hear, when you stand in the moment, when you get present. Mm-hmm.
0: So in my wanderings I found Esther Jones Alley and she is a spiritual coach for another woman that I have been following Tony Bergens who started Journey Dance. She's a very spiritual woman and an open nester, single mom with a powerful message.
1: Let's hear it from Esther Jones.
0: Welcome to the Open Nesters podcast Esther Jones Alley. I am so honored. How are you today?
2: I am fabulous. Thank you and I am honored to be on your podcast.
0: Well, you're in transition again to moving west coast east coast. So you taking the time first of all is is I'm very grateful for. And you are somebody who has just mesmerized me with your I almost want to call you the a spiritual tiger with your <laughs> with your nine lives or or more because you're a spiritual coach and openness your single mother and at this stage of life have so much spiritual knowledge because of your near death experiences and because of the wisdom you've gathered around you so i am really happy to have this conversation thank you
2: mm-hmm. thank you and i would go with spiritual lioness
0: lioness spiritual lioness i love it thank you so so give us a little bit of a of a the, just a very brief overview of your, you know, your kid life, your mother life, your getting to where you are today. Before we move into where you are today,
2: well, I um, I've been on this path since I was twenty three, as we talked about before, when I had my first near death experience, and it has been a journey. It has been an, a magnificent journey, um, as I said. I have two children, a boy and a girl, and they're grown and they have children. So now I'm a grandmother and I love it. I love it. Um, And uh, all along this journey, I was a single parent after I think my daughter was in ninth grade and my son was in sixth grade and we got a divorce and I was a single parent. Um, But it didn't dot me. In fact, when I got divorced, I felt free. And able to really get into who and what I was about, Um, because I had been a wife and a mother and, you know, all that. But it really gave me a sense of freedom. And I think that's when I really began to soar. I have had, as I said, I have had four lives and I'm on this is my fourth life and I'm really enjoying this. Um, but uh, I worked in politics, nonprofit, sat on boards for a while, worked for um, the transportation system here for 22 years. And in Seattle, correct? In Seattle, yes. It was called Metro and um, helped elect the first black mayor of Seattle, worked on his campaign, chaired the, chaired the committee that did his inauguration, uh, Balls, which we did a week long celebration of that. So. I was in the mix here in Seattle, and um, the last near-death experience I had really set me on a different path. And when I when I was ill, I... Um, well, tell had, us a
0: little bit about that. Actually, yeah. one other thing that you mentioned, because we, even though you got divorced young, you uh, your kids, you still needed mothering. So right. you set an example of for them, which I remember speaking to you about, about independence.
2: Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, When that happened, I sat them both down and I said to them, we're in this together. And here's your responsibility. Your responsibility is to go to school and to get good grades and to make sure your area of the house is clean. And my responsibility is to make sure that everything is provided. But I also taught them to think and I don't even know how I knew this test. I don't even know where this came from, but I always taught them, I always told them that they could say whatever they wanted to me, but understand in what you're saying, there may be consequences, but I never wanted to quiet their voice. The other thing I taught them was to think about the decisions that they made um, because it was important that they knew how to make decisions. The other thing I taught them was because I was a single parent and they were in private school and they had to take the bus. I worked for the bus system, so it was easy for me to, you know, kind of track them. But we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have uh, we only had beepers and you had to be able to afford the beeper and to have the change to go to some, you know, uh, 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 what was those thing? Phone booth to make a phone right. call. And um and so I had to teach them. And I was just speaking to another woman about this the other day. I had to have what is called a talk with my son. He was 10 years old. And um, that talk is about what would he do if he was stopped by a policeman as a little black boy. And at the time, it I never thought about the impact that it had on me as a mother because I was living it, I was—I had to get them through. And I did a program doing the pandemic called Cracking the Shell of Racism, and we're scaling it right now. Um, and I talked about it, I wrote about it. And when I wrote about it, I cried, I just bawled. And the day I had to present that segment of the program, I cried all day. And I realized I hadn't, I didn't have the luxury back then to cry because I had to get them through. I had to make sure my kids made it. I couldn't feel the stress. I couldn't feel the pain of it. I couldn't even recognize the innocence that my children were losing with me having to teach them that. And it just all came down on me when I wrote that. Uh, But when I was doing it, I was living through it. I didn't have that luxury. And doing that made me realize, it put like a a, a quotation mark on being a single black mother. And I cried for all the black mothers that have to have that talk with their children, right? Um, But I got them through. They both graduated. For my kids to go to private school, and to to get them through to, to, to college, you know? They both went away to college, you know? Uh, my daughter was accepted at um, USC, but chose to go to Howard because she didn't have a black experience here in Seattle. Going to private school, she was always like one of the only ones, right? And, um, and my son ended up going to Morehouse. So uh, that was a feat, being Uh, a single mother, getting them through that. But I really set them. I think I I gave them a good foundation. You know, they couldn't even take the ACT because they couldn't go to college in the state. And I told them, I said, you can't stay here. I said, when you graduate, I want two things, your report card and my house key. Because you have to either go to college the service or go live with some of your other relatives because I don't take they home, grown folks. <laughs> OK, and they both chose to go to college. So
0: and you told a- you told me that I was thinking about that as an open nester because some people have and we have a little bit of an approach of an open nest that has a flow that you can come back. But our kids are, are not choosing whatever sense studying for the LSATs from home. But I think their choices are pretty wise. I think you had a different approach to it because you had to pick yourself up in such a strong way. And they had to, that you wanted them to learn to manifest their lives. So, so right away, like give them that
2: power. Well, they, they could come back after they graduated. Okay. The home was open to them after they graduated, but I knew once they graduated and they experienced the world, they wouldn't want to come back (laughs) and they didn't. And they didn't. You see what I'm saying? But yeah, it it wasn't like they couldn't come back. Um, they could. You know what I'm saying?
0: And I but think that it, you're just proud of them manifesting their lives in a way that I think uh, you have been helping others. So I want to make that transition to the time of when these near-death experiences. I mean, I don't want to go into each one of them of what happened in your illness, but let's at least go to the most recent and understand how that transformed you to where you are today.
2: Right, right. I um, I remember I had a, a gallbladder surgery. I had my gallbladder removed, and um, they did it laparoscopically. And that's when that type of surgery first began. They hadn't, um, they Perfected hadn't it. done that before, you know. And um, I threw a, a a clot, a blood clot, and they didn't know it. And it sat in my lung for thirty days, and my lung began to die. It began to atrophy because of all the blood that had pulled in there, right? And um, I'm at home thinking I'm supposed to be back on my feet in two weeks. And it was 30 days, 30 days before I realized how sick I was. I couldn't move. I woke up, I couldn't move. Anyway, I called my doctor. He told me to meet him at the hospital. And I lay there for eight maybe 10 days with tubes everywhere. I was literally outside of my body. And I remember so clearly one night, there were a lot of people had come to visit me because this was coming off all of the political work and all the community work I had done. And I had just um, convinced Metro to open up. They had did this underground tunnel and had these beautiful, beautiful um, uh, stations in there. And I had convinced them to uh, rent them out and actually make money, which was foreign to a government entity, right? They didn't wanna, uh, we're not supposed to make money, but I I rented them out for parties. And this was a project, I I called it economic development. I started an economic development program there. And, but I had worked so hard, I'd worked myself into that sickness. But all these people had come to visit me and I remember them um, gathering around my bed before they got ready to leave to pray. And as I'm looking down, I couldn't see who it was, but I could see balls of light all around my bed, right? And um, it was, um, yeah, it was touch and go for a while. They they, they couldn't figure out whether it was pneumonia or whether, you know, whether it was because my whole lung was just on nuclear medicine. You could not see it. And so they was giving me this antibiotic, as well as all the other, the blood thinners and the the pain pills, and it was just a wreck. But what came out of that, when I um, came through that, when I came through that and knew I was gonna be okay, um, got out of the hospital, I was so swollen because of the antibiotic had caused the yeast in my body to go out of control and they called it Candida. So I was huge. And I looked at myself and um, I couldn't hardly breathe, but I joined the gym. I said, I've got to do something. I can't go out like this. And I started um, on the treadmill and I would walk for 30 seconds and then t- rest for a minute. That's how I started. And I just was determined to do this. And when I got up to about 10, 15 minutes, I joined this other gym that was a little more, had a little more equipment and stuff. And I met this man there. He was one of the owners. And it was just the strangest thing, because he said to me, I've been waiting for you. And I'm like, what? Because I had never seen this person before. And we sit there, and we started to talk. And as we talked, it was like the room just went into a mist, right? Well, it, it was just otherworldly. And what he was telling me about himself and what he was telling me about myself. But we became very close friends. And I remember that particular gym had a bodybuilding uh, team. And he invited me to go with them to one of their all natural meets. And I saw a woman up there that was older than me and she looked fabulous. And I was like, oh, if she can do this, I know I can do this. So I told myself, I, I want to do that. Can you help me do that? And he did. I was 265 pounds. It took me nine months to get in shape. And I cause I was coming up on my 50th birthday. I said, I'm not going into my 50s looking like this. It took me nine months to get in shape. And I the next year I was up there on that stage, posing you know, it wow. was, it was amazing. amazing. What a great it was story. Amazing. So, and, and, but it was a spiritual journey. That's the right. other part of it. So understand everything that I tell you, there's a spiritual underlining in my life. Um Just I'm in awe of how the universe have worked in my life. And um it, it, it gave me, it, it, it it showed me what i was what was possible and what kept happening for me as i was doing this cuz i was running 5 miles a day you know i was doing you know stairs 76 stairs 10 times up and down just all this grueling 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 training i'm training 4 hours a day and working 8 hours a day so i'm up at 4 in the morning at the gym by 5 at work at 8 come you know, when I get off, I'm back at the gym for another two hours. And this is what it was for nine months. But what the spirit was saying, when you can bring that flesh under submission to the mind, then you have arrived. Okay. It was a spiritual journey. And do you do you still practice? Do you
0: still practice that to that? I mean,
2: that
0: was a stage in life. As, you were. And and the idea of bringing, I like the idea of the flesh under submission, just because I think our body is our soul, and our our soul is housed by our body. So so the fact that, but I don't know that we can have to do that no. kind of work. And I'm just curious no, how now, you frame it now. Now,
2: in fact, I'm about. To, it's funny you ask because I'm about to train to hike the Grand Canyon in April. Okay, <laughs> this is going to be my last hurrah. But now I I I I do a lot of walking. I'm a I'm vegan and. I don't take any medication. I do take supplements, but I know that this body will hold this spirit as long as you take care of it, okay? It is our soup. And I really believe that we were meant to live longer than what we do, but given our environment and all these things that are these outside things that we are doing to ourselves, cuts that short because the body is capable of healing itself. And I'm a witness to that. I, I like I said, three times I'm out. They were like, she's out of here. I do keep up some type of regimen, not as strictly as I was when I was bodybuilding.
0: So how much how much time do you spend? Do you definitely-
2: um, Normally, when I'm not transitioning like I am now, I usually will walk five miles every day. And I know that's going to change in the next few months because I'm going to have to do some strength training and all that to prepare for this Grand Canyon thing. But I said to myself, "Okay, I can do this. This will be my last physical. (laughs) You know what I'm saying?
0: Good for you. I mean, and look, we have many things that await us in what we manifest. So it sounds like it's it's happened for you very naturally. And I remember you telling me in our conversation where we met that you've had people along the way who have told you that you're just naturally a spiritual coach. I mean, probably in politics, probably in the Metro, probably in all places you've gone. So in the last number of years, you've transitioned to what it was after
2: that, after that bodybuilding part of my life when I left Metro because I was working there. But I was in a position where I, I just all of a sudden knew I wasn't contributing to the to humanity. I felt like I was just pushing paper and I felt like I was dying. And so I left. I didn't retire. I just left. I didn't have all the years to retire. And I went out and I started with a, I was with a, a, a guy I was engaged to, I didn't marry him, thank God. And we started a construction business and a um um uh, a real estate where we um were flipping houses. And that's what that's that was my trans- transition out of there. And while I was doing that, I went back to school and got my certification and my credentials from the International Coaching Federation to become a coach, right? But that wasn't enough because I knew I wanted to specialize. So I then went to school with, um, and I don't know if you know this, I heard of this lady, her name is Iala Van Zant. She had a school called Inner Visions, and she did. Spiritual training. She, in fact, she, her, and Oprah running buddies. I, I did three years there for the spiritual part because I wanted, even though I, I knew I had a lot of spiritual understanding, I wanted to be in that environment again. Right? I was really supposed to be there two more years, but spirit, my spirit just moved me. It was time for me to go, and that's how I got into this. And. Like I told you, we could talk forever because after that, after I left that school, I went through a very what people would call a dark period. But it was a period of transition once again, because that's when I moved from the East Coast back here and I was homeless. Now, when I say homeless, don't I wasn't on the street, but I didn't have a key to anybody's house. okay? And I didn't live any less than I had lived when I had a home. I'm couch surfing and every, I mean, people was begging me to come live with them. It was unbelievable. Taking care of me. I didn't have, I mean, one friend was like, just send me your bank account number. I want to give you something. Uh, You got a car, I'll rent you a car. No, come stay with me. You know, it was, this is unbelievable. (sighs) This is unbelievable. I stayed with one friend for a year. And let me tell you how unbelievable this is. They gave me a room. They gave me food. They bought my clothes. They bought my shoes. This 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 one was buying me three hundred fifty dollars boots and stuff. I'm like, whoa, hold on, hold on. But it was it was they paid me to coach them. Now tell me, how does that work? Wow, it was it, it's almost like
0: you know the the, the 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 currency of 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 love and payment. How we can how we how when we tune into it, and we don't know it's not one way, it's not linear it isn't. The way you think it,
2: it is, was yeah. like it was like spirit was saying, because you have chips in the bank now you're collecting and and I didn't understand it at first, I didn't understand because I'm like, well, you don't have no, we have to pay. You. I'm like, but I'm living no, we have to. I'm like, okay, okay."
0: Welcome to our Explore More section of the podcast, where we like to point out the rich resources page on our website, theopennesters.com, and also point you to different people that are similar to this beautiful interview, and I want to point to the Omega Institute, which is one of the places I've visited, and I think I'd like you to just take a look at the Omega Institute's eomega.org. And it's about yoga, movement, meditation, breath work, conscious relationships, healer trainings, energy medicine, and one of our podcast guests too, or a number of them actually, one for sure is coming up in September. She's teaching there, Barbara Corellis on sacred sexuality. You can listen to episode 18 again. But the Omega Institute has a great resource and we have that on our website, among many other great places that you can continue to learn at the Open Esther stage. Well, they had. It's almost like I think Charles Eisenstein, one of my favorite like modern philosophers, calls it yeah. sacred economics. Yeah. So It's sacred yeah. economics. It's it's not it's not the way we think it has to be pro quo and transactional. It's a matter of the feeling that someone has about what they have and what they want to
2: support right. someone and it just, else to become. And and they get it right, comes right back. At right. Him, right. And it wasn't him. just that couple. It was people all along my life that was stepping wow. in and saying, oh, don't worry, we got you, you know? And I remember I was, I, before I c- came back here, I went to L.A. where my sister lived, and I didn't want to go, but Spear was like, no, you have to go. And I, I always listen to my inner voice. I've got a, a, a very strong connection with that inner voice. And when it speaks, I just blindly,
0: well, did you feel like you developed that or was it something that just came through all these NDEs, new near, death experiences in your life? Yeah, It's not a development.
2: In, it's in there. I just stopped and started listening. You understand? It's not something you have to develop. It's there and it's talking all the time Tess. And I remember before when I when I was embarking on this journey of homelessness and I was getting ready to leave the West, the East Coast, the West east coast to come to the west, I was sitting at my altar and I heard this voice very clearly like I'm talking to you. Are you going to trust me now? And I said, yes. And that's when I embarked on this journey of what, where I didn't have a key to anyone's house. I didn't have it. And when it was time and because this house, I still owned this house, but it, it, it was in disarray right? It was in total disarray. People showed up, fixed the house up. My, my ex came in and fixed the house up, rented it out, right? And when it was time for me to come back here, I remember because I was going to get my grandchildren. I remember landing in that 12 by nine room and I said, Father, I need 15000 just to get it livable again. Okay? I didn't know where it was coming from, but that very same couple, I had just worked with her to transition from one company to a next. And she came and one, one day she came in and she said, I have something for you. She placed $10,000 cash in my hand. She said, I have this because of you. And what you helped me do. And I want to bless you.
0: Oh, wow, what an oh. amazing story of, 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 of trust and of of you know of getting right. out of this society of greed and self and and honoring. Honoring. Obviously, she had a, a sense of her oh voice too.
2: Because she trusted what I what I showed her how to make that transition. She went from a job that that had promised her to be promised her a VP. And when it came time and she met all the qualification, they only wanted to give her money and not the title. And I told her, I said, you've got to make a stand. You've got to choose now and you've got to trust. And she did. And she went back and she sued them because she had they were and These were all men didn't want to give this woman this. Uh, BIPOC woman this position. VP she title. sued yeah. and they settled really nicely. And she went on to work for a company that made her vice president, reporting directly to the CEO with her own staff and everything. And the company she left was squabbling over giving her $25,000 bonus. The first bonus she got at this company was $150,000. Her bonus. Do you understand? And she said it was because of what you showed me, Esther. And she blessed me every time you understand.
0: I I do. I, I believe that our blessings when we give them and when we receive them, there's so much so greater much. than we can imagine. They don't always manifest they in don't. money. And I love to be able to hear because you have so many like very, very like, Experiences that just show up big about death, about money. I mean, you're living this very, very radical example of what people can learn from on any level. So, how does how do you help people when you coach them? Give me an example of how you helped somebody recently. I know you did something with Apollo, and I know that. I know that you're Tony, one of my one of my little mentor dancers. Uh, Tony Bergens yes. her spiritual coach. So how, how do you how well, you know, they use usually, usually when can.
2: they come. Yeah. I'll do a, a exploratory session because I want to lay out, you know, lay out their their road map. Right. And usually they come with what they think is the issue. And um, it has never failed. It has never failed. What they come with is not the issue because I'm working on the foundation. If you don't have a strong foundation, you can succeed all up here, but it's shaky and you're empty. And so my thing is to talk about what's in here. What is your relationship with you and your higher self? And I don't care what your beliefs are, whether whether you're Catholic, Christian, Buddhist, whatever. What is that connection like? Can you hear when spirit is speaking to you? Can you feel it? Do you trust your intuition? And do you realize how powerful you are? Because most people don't know how powerful they are. We all have latent talents that we have not yet awakened, waiting for us to just turn around. One of my favorite, I have these things called esterisms. And one of my favorite ones is at any moment, you can make another choice. At any moment, people don't understand that they have a choice. I help them understand that. I help them understand that the universe is unlimited, it's waiting for you to put your order in. Okay, it's there to serve us. We think we've been taught that we have to bow down and suffer and, you know, do all these different things. And oh, fight for what we want. Listen, listen. You came here with everything you need. We came here with everything we need, and I know that because I've lived it. When I tell people how I've lived, I was just about to tell my son that I was like, God, I, I was crying because I'm in the process of making this move, and I was like, okay, I've got invoices coming in on the first. People start paying their invoices before the first. Now, what's that about? Because spirit knew, (laughs) I'm going to make sure you have what you need. Can you, do you understand what I'm saying? I don't, it's like, I I just did a, a post on Facebook called, what does it mean to be in the moment? See, people don't understand. They're living either in the past or in the future but to stand in that moment and be connected and be present with the divine within you and to live from moment to moment. Because when you stand in that moment, your path begin to illuminate before you. And so you live moment to moment, not turning to the left or the right, not up or down, no judgment, you step out of the world of duality and you stand in your full power And you don't have to do anything because spirit is guiding you. When you ask me about that voice, that's when you really hear, when you stand in the moment, when you get present, when you get present. Most people are not present in their lives. Most people are not thinking about what's happening now. They're thinking about what I got to do. I got a doctor's appointment. there. I got to go pick up the kid in the moment. And then you move from moment to moment in that presence of the divine. So, but
0: planning is is an important component in life. So, how do you? I mean, you know, you had to make all the arrangements for the future to get to the other side of the country. So, there's obviously times that we have to allocate for what we're doing Mm -hmm. in the present of planning. But you, so so, how do you help people know when to? Let go of the anxiety and worry of the planning. I know this is going sound
2: crazy to you, (laughs) but you know what? I listen and I wait to hear what to do. I don't do because I can do. I be. That's what being is about in that moment, listening. See, when you're in the moment, then you know what to do because your life plan is unfolding. I was told a year ago when I went to Costa Rica, because I had been in battle with this house and the courts and all that stuff, and and the Spirit said, let it go. I have something greater for you. And when the Spirit said that to me, it was like a weight lifted off of me. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know what it was going to turn out to be, right? But I'm listening. Go to Arizona. Go to New Mexico. Go to here. Go to I've been... And then... It came very clear, go back to DC that your energy is needed there. Your energy, I said, I don't want to be involved. I'm not gonna get involved with all that craziness there. No, just your presence, just the energy you bring. And it's just
0: I was so curious about this with this divisive nation. So how you're holding space because you've stepped into such a big life for yourself. And I do wonder, um, with the divisive, such divisiveness and so much deep racism in this country, like how you're Listen, holding it
2: all. It's what I'm putting my attention on. And my 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 true purpose in life is to awaken as many. People, as many light workers, as possible. My true purpose in life is to teach people and to show them how to do things differently, how to think differently, because everything starts on the mental level. That's where we begin to create. It begins with a thought, and then you add a little bit of belief in there, right, and then sprinkle it with gratitude, and then it has to come into the 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 physical everything has come into this world with the thought and the more people that wake up and realize that they can make choices that they can change things and say no to this stuff that you're seeing then it'll become a collective consciousness of change It's not gonna change one person at a time, but the more people's lives that I can touch to help them understand who and what they are and what they're capable of, then we can begin to see a change test. Then we can begin to see things shift. And they're shifting. And they're not just shifting in this country. It's happening across the world. They're shifting because people are realizing this is not okay. We're harming the very life form that we need to live. We're part of this ecosystem and we're destroying it. The earth is a living being, it's a living thing. It's not just a rock. But we have the, we're, we're at a very critical point in history, one where more people in, than ever have decided that's not okay for me anymore. I'm not going to sit and no brick building, and worship something I can't see. I'm going to look within for that power, for that divinity in me, and move from there. And that's what my job is. That's what my purpose is, to teach people, to share with people, help them to understand high-level, complex, spiritual ideas, concepts, and philosophies, so that anybody can understand them.
0: Beautiful. You do make it very clear. And I wanna I wanna reflect on one that I can ask a question of so this way we can get I can get clearer. Is I've always felt that instead of being in our heads and our thoughts, which can swirl because we've been taught to use this brain power rather than this heart power. And the heart energy from what I've been reading is the magnetism of that is even greater that they're proving even in science rather than the brain for our heart to come back to itself. And that's, that's, that's housed in the, in our bodies, which is where our soul, our soul reason, you know, our, we are yes. these souls and our bodies okay. are just here for now. So the question is I I want to, f- I'm trying to feel it more in my body than in my thinking. So I just had a question about how things can show up, as far as to accept and, and just honor okay, that divinity. Okay, so
2: look, I, I want to go back. You said the heart, but there's something called um, resonance between the mind and the heart. So it's going to start here. The thought is going to start here, but you let it drop. The coherence. the coherence. into the heart. The pineal gland is the is the is the opening. To the higher realms and it's housed in the brain okay and the way the way that that it's 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 what people call that third eye and when you open and connect into that you automatically have coherence you automatically have resonance between the heart you know because you're opening to a higher realm one of the things I it, it that is happening. I I don't even think I know what's happening that people are beginning to understand that there is much more to our universe than us. Right. And the, when you say in the mind, there's two minds that you're dealing with. It's the ego mind and the mind of divinity. Okay. Most of us are led by that ego mind. That ego mind is, and it's not, like people say, egotistical. No, it's that mind that has kept you what you call safe. You know, it's the mind that tells you that this is all you can do. Don't don't change. It hates change. and You know, people hate to change, you know, but change is necessary. It's nothing that's constant in the universe, but change. The trick is, is to recognize that change and get with it. So you can determine how that change is going to show up in your world. And you do that from that divine mind, not from the ego. See, because the ego is working for job security. So it's going to keep telling you, no, oh, no, we can't go over there. We don't know what's happening over there. Oh, no, don't go down that street. No, no, that when you're working with the divine mind, all, everything is. See, I don't fear. I don't, the ego mind keeps us in fear, keeps us in doubt. And fear is false evidence appearing real. So I turned it around. I said, forget everything and rise, okay? Forget everything and rise.
0: Forget everything and rise, right? Fear. 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 That's the fear acronym. So
2: I'm saying, when you say, how can we get out of our head? You've got to recognize the difference. I call it the monkey mind. The ego is always chattering always telling you what you can and cannot do, always holding you to limitations. Oh, you better not do that because no, sit back. And I have me and my ego, we talk every day. No, we're not doing that today. We're on this road, okay? Because it's it, It's you have to put it in its place. And what we have done as a society, we have made it our God. We have allowed it to run things rather than connecting with that higher part like you said, that resonant in your heart, that third eye, that's going to guide you. And I want to be very clear, Tess. When I when you said, well, what about planning and stuff? The problem with us planning through our ego, the universe might have something greater for us, but we didn't plan and limited it right there. So when I'm asking or when I'm desiring something, I'll say this or something greater. Because I don't want to limit the universe and how it wants to show up in my life, I'm gonna put my order in and I'm gonna say that or something greater. Oh, you are a you understand? teacher. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. And that's my—that's what my purpose is. This is what this fourth life is for me. It's to help as many people. Amen. Awaken to their divinity, to their power. We're such amazing beings. And we're so much more. I take a trip every year. I take people every year to Egypt and um, do a sacred journey. And I do that because when I step on that land, it's like I step into a different time. And I can feel the energy of the entities that once walked that land. When I go to Costa Rica, there's a, it's so, the, the the vibrational frequency is different, it's high. They call it a blue zone. So I'm saying there are pockets here where people are beginning to understand. So take hard tests. I'm not worried about Washington and I'm not going there and getting into nothing. In yeah. wrapping
0: up in the next few minutes, what what would you suggest to someone who's now at a stage of life where their kids are not, you know, their a huge responsibility if they're lucky enough to have kids that are highly functional and not have, you know, some of the disabilities or ailments that we hear of that they need to be on top of and with every time, all the time, for their own freedom of spirit and soul? Like, wh- how would you advise and what we're calling these, this open nesters at this stage of life.
2: First of all, your children are not your children. Okay. They are beings that have chosen to come through you. And like I said to you before, we're the only creatures that hold on to our young so long rather than allowing them to be Um, the, the open nesters. I would say live life full out do what your heart desire go for the gusto this is this body was given to us to enjoy okay to enjoy set yourself free set yourself free you know make a list of all the rules you have about your life that people have to keep in order to to get along with you and look at it, just look at them and see how silly they are. People don't realize because they're in their head with it. Right. But they have.
0: The rules of life for people, for others to get along
2: with you, meaning how you limit talk too loud, you You can't do this, you can't. We all have our little set of rules that are in our head that we expect people to to to, you know, to go abide by in order to make me happy. Right. Have you thought about it? Think about it. Make a list of yours and look at them. You're going to be like, oh, wow. Mm, Yeah. See, but when you stand in the moment, when you begin to be, all the rules are gone because you don't need them. Because what you think of me is none of my business. That's your issue. Okay. So I don't have to care about that. You know, I don't have to. Oh, is that what you choose to do? Bless you. Because I promise you that right. experience will teach you what is there to teach you. That ain't my business. So you all. The-
0: That's where you'll be able to live with a divisiveness, because when people are on the ego level, they're yes. continually battling right. where they fit there rather than taking being. themselves into their own and connection Just and coherence. Being.
2: Yeah. Being, when you come into the presence, you can be rather than do, we're doers. We got to do this. We got to do this, this. Be in that moment and listen, because you will see it so clear. You'll see it so clear. I'm telling you, when I went to bed last night, I was a little kind of because I hadn't, some pieces hadn't come together. And I, and I remember I just said to myself, stop and stand in this moment. Test. when I got up this morning, things just started unfolding. All the pieces started coming together. Money started coming. Everything. Okay? Do you understand? Stop, Stop. and be in
0: this moment. That's This is beautiful. And I'm so grateful. This is one Thank of my you. favorite interviews. So, how can people reach you? And tell us, when is that sacred
2: journey? Oh, okay, Egypt? so my trip to Egypt <laughs> is um, the 31st through the 16th, the 31st of October, the 16th of November. Uh, I can be reached on my website, www.esterjones-ally.com. A-L-L-E-Y. A-L-L-E-Y. Right. And, A-L-L-E-Y. Um, I, I If, if you, if you want to have an a exploratory or a, just a conversation with me, I give away 30-minute sessions free. So you can just book it on there. It'll take you right to my calendar and you can book it on there. If you want to know anything about the Egypt trip, because I still have a couple of spots left. I only take so many people. I think I have three spots that are left. My email is a e s t h e r the number two at gmail.com Just send me an email with Egypt on it. And I'll send the itinerary and everything to you. But, um, I have really test. I have enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank oh, I've you so, so
0: enjoyed this. You've given us such a wealth of richness in, uh, in our spirit, really. So I, I, I hope to see you and be in touch and watch your beautiful journey ahead.
1: Before we summarize this episode with Esther Jones Alley I just want to tell you about an episode that's coming up next week which I have learned so much from with Anne Moore of the Erotic Blueprint and her partner Dan so join us uh, next week to learn about your Erotic Blueprint Tessa you did it again I don't know how you find this incredible spiritual people uh, honestly, you know, not all of it really speaks to me, but there's certain things that uh, really do. Uh, first of all, you know, when she talks about being an open nester and talking about she wants the report card at graduation and their keys, that's, uh, that's a real radical thing. You either, uh, you need to go away and maybe you come back if you need to stay here, maybe we'll tell you. Uh, we will let you. So she's incredible when it comes down to that. But ser- seriously, the spirituality and everything that she reflects—she's a survivalist, don't you think?
0: Absolutely, and 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 I love the idea of that. She's really trusting an intuition that most of us can only hope to learn to get to. And her, you know, big her big mission about awakening light workers, which. I feel like it's part of my mission too, like this bringing more light and love we needed in the universe. So I, I resonated so much with this vision that she's that she's trying to bring to us all to go back inward to our divinity and our divine mind, which is so resonant for me. The idea of Cohesiveness and coherence and resonance in our divine mind.
1: And, and the freedom that is generated by not having keys. <laughs> Can you imagine not having keys to an office, to a house, to a car? Hey, I don't have keys. Remind me of a movie uh, back, back, I don't know how many years ago, called Sex Lies and Videotapes, where the main character did not have any keys, or he had one key to a car. And that was his sole home, transportation, where he lives, where he plays, everything else. And the freedom that one gets from not having a key to a house and not being homeless, but the opposite, being welcomed and being uh, uh, catered to and uh, being taken care of. It's really incredible for me. Just just that concept is absolutely phenomenal.
0: It, it truly does bring us into awe of the universe in our lives to just be able to have that trust. I mean, it's a huge, beautiful trust, and and that's why we like calling this that uh, uh, two the, ways,
1: two ways trust.
0: Absolutely, that that the you that we have a reciprocity and the things that we can give in, in by opening ourselves to what div, what what divine things we're here for. It's so past what we normally talk about in society and the way we operate so it takes us out of the norm and i and i love her expression of which i've heard i think i've heard before what you think of me is none of my business
1: yeah like, i kind of like that too i kind of am going to adopt that after three times i think it's gonna i'm gonna make it mine
0: and so we can live in our light because what someone else thinks because of their programming is not related to the things that we want to pursue because of the light that we're called into. And that's what I love so much about this interview, and she's inspired me so much. So,
1: And, and it's so much related to the open nesters, because one like us can really, uh, in an open of stage, can really uh, take uh, an understanding that really the opening that can create after the kids have left the house or during that. That opening is really can help you cope with that particular stage of life.
0: like trusting. do you trust your intuition do you and trust your intuition? and in any, any moment, moment exactly. you can make a new choice? and that's what the openness stage is about that in any moment we can make a new choice.
1: and Tessa on the explore more, you talked about the Omega Institute that have so many so many classes and sessions and workshop oh cr- that relate to that
0: absolutely incredible place. So Thank you all for really listening up to the spiritual pieces of this these episodes we bring you and for sharing them and for really sitting with them and and feeling that you're a part of a community that can grow and learn and expand love consciousness and what we need more of in the world in collaboration. And I really, really value that. I hope you'll also help us with our social media, which is a, kind of a fact thing that we don't necessarily pay as much attention to in bringing these messages out. But if you'll join our community there and our Facebook page, or closed page, we'd love to hear your comments, which we always welcome.
1: Hey, and always go to our website, com. That's theopennesters, double N, and then S at the end, theopennesters. We'd love to hear from you, your comments are really, really valuable. And thank you again for making us so relevant. Till next time, this is Amir. And
0: this is Tessa. And
1: we'll see you in the next episode. Ciao. You have been
0: listening to the Open Nesters Podcast, a production of Kiwi Publishing and Media. Executive Producer, Tessa Krohn. Music by Yoni Avi Patat audio engineering by lucid sound web design and blogs pj ewing this podcast is available on all podcast platforms to learn more about each episode and guest please visit us at theopennesters.com for questions or to be a guest on our podcast email tessa at theopennesters.com